Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So, um, we're, gonna do, we're looking at a new series now called Church in the Dirt, um, which I'll do a little hat tip to Judah Smith on because he came up with the term and I love the term so much. Um, but kind of want to look at what that is and what it looks like. For me, being a church in the dirt is not something that's bespoke to, to Hope Springs. For me, it's what every single church should be. Um, what it is to be church in the dirt, in my mind, is that a church that that is like Jesus, that, that looks like Jesus, that behaves like Jesus. That there are some very, very, very clear stories in the life of Jesus that, that indicate this kind of behaviour and this kind of attitude towards humanity, towards people. Um, but um, it doesn't mean that only in the stories where it mentions the word dust or dirt, that that's when he's doing this, that Jesus embodied this idea of being with people and being where they are and being present with them in every single situation he was in. That Jesus was never removed. He was never distant from humanity. No matter what humanity looked like, no matter it's whether the humanity that, that we find acceptable or the humanity that we don't find acceptable, he was with every single part of society and every single part of humanity. And the more I look at the life of Jesus, the more I realise, actually, I can't exclude anybody. I can't go, well, that kind of person Jesus didn't approach. Even the religious, I can't go, well, Jesus didn't, Jesus just told them off all the time. He didn't. He, he, he drew near to them. And even in, in, in his rebuke and in his challenge, he still drew near. He was still looking to win them, to, to engage them. Um, and therefore, for me, a church in the dirt is about embodying that heart of Jesus and going, right, we're going to be, be with people and present with them. And in their good and in their mess in their in their good parts about who they are and in the stuff that's not so good but we're going to be with them in every single moment every single part of that even when it's uncomfortable even when it's difficult even when it doesn't sit comfortably and nicely with us still be present with them even when we don't agree even when we don't agree with the behavior or agree with a, a life choice or agree with just their view on something that we still are with them in that space and with them in that because that's what jesus did and therefore, for me, there's nothing better than being a church that looks and feels and sounds like Jesus. And therefore, I just want you to turn to, um, in your real Bibles, and just imagine a, a metaphorical chocolate just being dished out to you as approval. And imagine a me- metaphorical stone being thrown at you for disapproval. <laughs> wow. If you don't have a Bible, you so will see. You're giving virtual rewards for real Bibles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Virtual awards, yeah. Virtual awards for real Bibles. Exactly, I like that side. I like, I'm going to use that. No, no irony, no, no hint of hypocrisy at all in that, is there? Um, so, John 8. Now, this is, again, a massive hat tip to Judah Smith in terms of the, 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 the phrase church in the dirt. Um, for me, this story embodies that idea. Um, and therefore, I just want to read it through. I've talked about it before. Um, I think I mentioned that term before. But I just wanted to, to dig into it a little bit deeper and look at some different things to it. So we're going to pick up verse 1, John 8, verse 1. Um, and it says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, 
They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. So when they continued asking, he raised himself up, um, or some say he looked up, um, and said to them, He is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down or looked back down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went away one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the youngest, or to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, and saw that no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, I love this story, and we could happily go home just having read that, because that's just brilliant. But I want to kind of pick up different aspects of this, and I want to look at three different things. I want to look at the stance in terms of the way that people's stance was in this story. I want to look at what they did with their hands, and I want to look at what they said with their words. Because... In our attitude, in our stance towards people, we, we communicate something. We communicate something in what we do with our hands in terms of that could be literally tangibly with our hands or it could be how we handle people's lives and how we handle people's situations. And then we also communicate with what we say. And in this story, you can see those three things. The attitude that, that people had towards this woman. You can see that what, what people did when this woman's life was in their hands. And then you can see what they said um, in this situation. And those three things for me are the way that we leave this room this morning and we go, okay, what's my attitude towards this? To these people, to this situation. When I go into work tomorrow morning, what's my attitude towards that member of staff or that student or that person or that parent? What am I doing with the responsibility of having that person's life or an aspect of that person's life in my hands what am I doing with that how am I handling that person's life or that person's issues and what am I saying what am I communicating now all those three things come come from my heart it's not about his behavior modifying our our actions and our words and our those kind of things but it's about saying god okay i can see actually my attitude is a little bit wayward on this thing it's not like yours therefore help me in my attitude towards these people or this situation help me the way i handle people how how do i speak to people or about people help me adjust it internally so that my external behavior is more in line with yours because that's what god wants to do he wants to kind of clear that stuff out and in this story we just see a beautiful picture of Jesus and the way that he, his attitude towards the, this woman, the way he handles her life and the, what he says about her and just, just the powerfulness of that. So you have this idea of, of two, two different kind of situations here and you've got the scribes and the Pharisees. We'll look at their attitude or their stance first. The scribes and the Pharisees bring this woman to her. Now, I've read this so many times and I love the way the Holy Spirit just illuminates different things. It says this, that... And I was reading it again last night and this morning, and for me, it it kind of just jumped out on the page. And it says in verse 3, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they'd set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us to stone such. What do you say? Now, 
pre this, Jesus has been annoying the scribes and the Pharisees left, right and centre. We're not going to read all that today, but if you read pre-chapter 8, it's like constant. Like, I'm this, I do this, I say this, and they're just getting more and more wound up. And, and people that is around him, he, he's probably intentionally winding them up to try and get to something underneath that. So... I want to just take a step back, and I'm not saying this is exactly what happened. I just want to paint the picture a little bit. These guys are annoyed. They're frustrated with Jesus. They're irritated with this guy who is assuming the role of the Messiah, the Christ. They think, well, he's just a a crazy loon, but he's got influence. We need to do something about him. Um, Therefore, they need something to catch him out. It says that in the text. Says that they brought this woman to him to catch him out, so they'd have something to accuse him of. So just take a step back and imagine these scribes and Pharisees have plotted this before it happened. This wasn't like, oh wow, look, someone along this thing will bring it to Jesus. They're they're planning, they're thinking, what can we do to catch this Jesus guy out? What can we do to to, to kind of undercut the influence he's having? What can we do to to take him down effectively? And I would suggest to you that, that part, part of their plan was, like, I'll tell you what we could do. We could get one of the many people who are promiscuous. The many people who are involved in, in sexual work or whatever it may be. We could get one of them and we could say to Jesus, well, you meant to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? Because we know this Jesus won't stone her. Therefore, he'll have to go against the law of Moses. And therefore, we'll have to come against that. So they're like, we could do that. So I would imagine that they, they, they sent one or two of them out, go and find somebody. Go and find somebody who is involved in, in, in kind of sexual activities who shouldn't be. Find them. We'll bring them to Jesus. And we'll use that person to catch them out. Now that doesn't massively change the story. But just think about how insignificant this woman is to them. She's not even like, it's not like they've gone, oh my goodness me, did you hear that Jane down the road is sleeping with Bob? Did you hear about that? It's not even like that. It's not even like it's someone in their life that they're going, we need to deal with this situation. They're not, they're, they're so unconcerned about this woman. She's just a random woman that they found somewhere and brought to him. That the, 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 her status is not even somebody they want to bring freedom to or somebody they want to make an example of because they want to deal with something. The whole purpose about this woman in the story from their perspective is to catch Jesus out. She matters not one bit to them. And that just in a sense is the attitude towards it. That she is so less to them that she's a pawn in a game. It's just used to catch him out. And you have this kind of almost, this stance embodied in the fact that they are standing over her. That they bring her, you can just imagine the scene, there's a crowd of people that Jesus is teaching here. And these Pharisees push through the crowd and bring this this probably half-naked woman who's got no clue what's happened. She's ashamed because she's doing something she shouldn't be doing, but she's got no clue what's going on. They've just grabbed her and and just thrown her in the midst. She's in the midst and they're standing over saying, look Jesus, this person was caught in the door. in the very act because we went and found her. Now it says to stone her, what do you say, Jesus? Now she's there in a crowd, not just, just with the scribes and the Pharisees, but, but, but with everyday people, people that probably know her. She's there in the middle of it all. And they are standing over her, standing in their judgment of her, going, we want to catch you out, Jesus, we're going to use her to do that. And her attitude is just demonstrated towards it. Now we, it, it, it sounds horrible, it sounds disgusting, but there's sometimes that kind of little thing that comes in that that person kind of deserves what they've got. That person's actions have led them to this point. 
And there's no doubt her actions are not okay. They're not right. But their perspective is about right and wrong. The Pharisees are like, well, this woman's wrong. Therefore, we're going to use her to prove you wrong, Jesus. Because we are bothered about what's right. We want to make sure everything's right in the world. And she's wrong, so it doesn't even matter. She's made the wrong choices. She's done the wrong stuff. She's been with the wrong people. Therefore, it doesn't make a jot of difference because she deserves the punishment she's going to get. And we also want to catch you out, Jesus, because you're wrong too. And you deserve the punishment you're going to get. And therefore, they're all about what's right and what's wrong. These Pharisees, and their attitude, their judgment is demonstrated in their stance towards her, in their literal physical position of standing over her. And it's just beautiful because then you encounter Jesus and Jesus is down on her level. That he is literally in the dirt with her. And even in that simple opposite, you see the difference in his attitude towards this woman. He's not judging her. Does he agree with her behaviour? Not at all. Of course he doesn't. It's not good for her. It's not healthy for her. Has she kind of made the mess partly for herself? To a point. But he's not concerned about any of that stuff. He is down in the dirt with her. In the dust. In that place with her. And his attitude is one of, I want to be here with you. I'm not here to tell you all the mistakes you've made. I'm not here to tell you everything you've done wrong. I'm here just to be with you in this moment. Why is he with her in that moment? Because it's fascinating, this idea that that he is in in the dirt with her. He he, is in the dust with her. Because... I'm not going to go through them all now, but Genesis 2 verse 7. It talks about God. You, in fact, we'll turn there. Just go to Genesis 2 verse 7. We'll go to this one. There's something profoundly symbolic about what Jesus is doing. It's powerful for the woman. It brings her freedom, but it's also phenomenal in terms of the multi-layered ability Jesus has to communicate stuff. Genesis 2 verse 7 says this. And the Lord God formed man... Out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Genesis 3 verse 19. God talking, talk, talking about where we get the famous thing from funerals. That from, uh, about from dust to dust. This idea that you were formed out of dust and you returned to dust. That loads of people throughout the Bible talk about this. Like Abraham talks about it. Saying I'm just made from dust. And yet I'm speaking to God. That the, this idea that... that Job's friends get a really bad rap, but one of his friends recognises the fact that actually I'm made of dust, and yet you put your spirit in me, and yet I'm just made of dust. And this idea that, that God formed us, who are the apple of his eye, out of the dust of the earth. And where do we find Jesus? But in the dust. That Jesus' position is not just significant because he's on the same level as this woman. That he's put himself in that position. But it's significant because he is where humanity is. Because humanity is made from the dust. That he is writing in the dirt. And he's writing in the dirt, drawing it back to the attention that we're made from this stuff. And, and where the Pharisees and where the scribes are trying to kind of almost say, look, we're better than you. We're more significant than you. We matter more than you. We're more right than you. Jesus is in the very place that's going, actually, we're all formed from this. You've thrown her into the dirt, but you've thrown her into the place that she was formed from. That, that I'm putting myself right back in with humanity. That he is connecting himself to humanity by being in the dirt. He is connecting, connecting himself to the very place that, that humanity was formed from by being in the dirt. He's not keeping himself at a distance saying, I'm not like you, because actually he is. 
because he came as flesh. He himself, his body, has its origin in the dirt. Because he's as a man. He's 100% God, but 100% man. And he's saying, look, I'm not here because I'm better than you. I'm not here because I'm formed from something different than you are. I'm here because I, my body is made in exactly the same way your body was made. So Jesus is putting himself into that position. And isn't that the interesting thing, that we can be so noble sometimes and so lovely and go, right, I'm going to come into the dirt because you need someone to come and help you. I'm going to come into the dirt because I'm going to help you get out of the dirt. And it sounds wonderful, but it's incredibly patronising. Mm. And it creates in us and them. And we may not be standing at our back with a stone in our hand going, you've made mistakes, I'm going to stone you. But our attitude's going, I'm really standing here at our back going, I'm going to help you because if I don't help you, you're going to be stuck. That wasn't what Jesus did. Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm part of this. You're made from dust. I'm made from dust. My body is made from that. What's inside of you is, is the Spirit of God. What's inside of me is the same thing. The Jesus is connecting to her. And that's the kind of thing that God is working in our hearts. Actually, I'm not with you in the dirt because I'm better than you. I'm with you in there because that's actually the place where there's this idea of humanity being formed and, this, and humanity being changed and humanity being made. And I'm coming with you to be in that place, to connect with you in that space. And Jesus just completely undermines the attitude and the stance of the Pharisees. But I, I am God himself. I am God, but I'm God in the dirt. I'm God present in this moment with you. And I'm not there because I'm better than you. I'm not there because I want to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm there because I love you. And I'll put myself in the dirt and I'll be with you in that space, in that mess, in the good and the bad. But I'll be with you in that moment. Then the second amazing thing about this story for me is what, what, what happens with their hands. Because I would suggest to you that, that the scribes and the Pharisees say that the law says to stone her. Therefore, there's, there's a really strong likelihood that they, that they probably have stones with them. They probably have these stones in their hands because they're ready to stone her. They're ready to make an example of this person that means nothing to them. This person that's just, just, just a tool to use to catch Jesus out, just to correct a wrong, to do a right by stoning her. So therefore, they've probably got stones in their hands. And, and for me, the really interesting thing about these stones is that, as a geography teacher, um, my least favourite topic in the world is, is geology. I can't stand it at all. I think it's the most boring thing in the world. But you have to learn a little bit about it. Um, and lots of geography teachers I work with would hate me for saying that, but it's just, it's just rocks. It's just, I don't understand the interest. Anyway, um, but stones. And the interesting thing about stones is that there are some stones, sedimentary stones especially, that are formed from other stones being put together. Okay, you don't have to know much more than that, but they're put together. Okay? There's some stones that are formed by volcanic activity, and there's some stones formed by lots of pressure. Whatever it may be, is that the potential for, for dust or dirt or sand or that kind of stuff to turn into a stone is possible. Okay? I would suggest to you that, that the Pharisees have these stones in their hands, and what they're doing with these stones is they, they've gone, okay, we've got everything right. We've made this stone, we've made this thing, we've done this thing. We've taken the dust of the earth, we've taken the, the, all the kind of stuff that's there, and we put it together, and through trial and through circumstance and through difficulty and through challenge, we've formed these stones. And we're going to use these stones now, we're going to use them to, to, to correct the wrongs that we see in the world, because we've done it. 
We've made these stones. We've formed it in the same way that God formed man out of the dust. We've formed stuff. We, we've made these rules. We've done these things. We've brought this stuff together. And now we hold these stones in our hands. And we're going to use these stones to correct the wrong that this woman is, it, has done. But we're also going to use these stones to correct the wrong that Jesus, you're doing. We're going to use the law to catch you out. The tablets that we, we've extrapolated stuff from and made up our own little stones from that main thing, we're going to use them now to catch you out, Jesus. That what they're holding in their hand is their own idea of being self-made. And they, 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 we can even use language, can't we? That, that, oh yeah, but I've been through some difficult circumstances. I've been through some tough times and that's why I'm a better Christian than you are. Because I've come through those times. Or, or I've kind of been transformed by the Holy Spirit's transformed me. And therefore now I'm just a really good Christian. I really caught the heart of God. And I'm great. And I've been transformed. The problem with any of that stuff, it sounds wonderful. It sounds like Christianity has gone mad. It's like I've been transformed and stuff. If it leads me to an attitude where I'm ready to stone somebody, or ready to judge somebody, or ready to go, okay, actually you're wrong and I'm right, then it's not done anything on the inside of me. It's just maybe this hard, resistant unsoft, uncaring heart towards people. And the Pharisees stand there with these stones in their hands and they're looking to stone and correct this woman and correct Jesus with these stones. And the beautiful thing is about what Jesus has in his hands because Jesus has dust in his hands, has dirt in his hands. The last time God had dirt in his hands was when he made humanity. The, 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 the Pharisees and the scribes had made their own stones as an act of judgment going we have now worked out this is what life looks like we've got these hard and fast rules that can't be bent can't be moved and this is how we're going to live life it's part of us these stones are part of us we're good examples you're a bad example you're a bad example to Jesus but Jesus hasn't got this stone in his hand has got dirt in his hand he's drawing he's literally writing in the sand writing in the dirt And the last time that moment happened, the last time that significance happened of God having that, he built humanity. Mm. He made us. Mm. So whereas one wants to tear down this woman and Jesus with their hands, Jesus is looking there to restore her back to where she's meant to be. Mm. Jesus is jumping right back to Genesis, right back to when he was with his father in the beginning, forming humanity out of the dust of the earth. He's going, I'm going to form you. I've got dust in my hands, I'm going to make you again. Everything that, that, that's been beaten off you, everything that, that's been chipped off you through life and circumstances, I'm going to see you restored into who you are meant to be, and who you are born to be, and I'm going to breathe life back into you. I'm going to give you that hope again to go and stand up and start to have that dignity again. Because you notice that towards the end of the story, this woman standing... Because in this moment, Jesus has somehow managed to restore her and she started to stand back up again. And she started to stand to her feet again because her dignity has been restored. Her, her identity has been restored because Jesus has got dirt in his hands. And he's got that dirt in his hands to bring restoration to her. And that's the same thing that he's calling us to do. That the thing that we may, the, the circumstances we may find people in, the purpose of those things, the circumstances we may find ourselves in, the purpose of that is that we are restored back to who he intended us to be that how do we handle people's lives how do we handle the mess that we find how do we handle our own mess 
Do we handle it like the scribes and the Pharisees and go, well, I'm going to pack this stuff together. I'm going to make the worst possible stone because I'm going to judge everybody that doesn't agree with me. Or do we go, I'm going to have this dust in my hand and I'm going to use that, the mess of what I can find here, I'm going to use that to bring hope back into this situation again. I'm going to help them have their dignity back again. I'm going to let God restore in me what, what's been broken away and chipped away because that's what Jesus was doing when he, when he had this woman's life in his hands. That he was restoring humanity. The last thing then in terms of words, that, that the Pharisees, like I said before, are constantly focused on what's right. This woman's done wrong, there's a consequence to that. You've done wrong, Jesus, we're going to use this to catch you out and prove that. that their words are all about cutting and directing and identifying what's right, what's wrong. The reality is that their, their, their words, because of the way they have misinterpreted the heart of God, their, their words are too ready to kill, to steal and to destroy. They're, they're wanting to bring an end to what they see as wrong and bring in what they think is right. That their words are very similar to those words that the enemy would use to kill, to steal and to, to destroy. They were actually, if you think about it, saying this word that they were using was that we need to stone her, i.e. we need to kill her. What are they trying to do? They're, they're trying to restore her, or return her, should I say, to dust. Because from dust we came, and to dust we'll go. They're, really, they're, they're trying to bring an end to her existence and return her to dust. But I just love the fact that who's in the dust? That Jesus is in the dust and saying, it's not today. You're not dying today. You're not being stoned to death today. I'm going to stand here because I'm, I'm the one who's going to have authority over death. You're not going anywhere today. Yeah. And he stands there in the dirt or sits there in the dirt with the guys. That's not happening. They're trying to bring you to your end. But I'm not going to bring you to your end. I'm going to bring you back again. I'm going to form you back again. That when people are facing their, their worst situations, that they might think that there is no way out of this situation. There is no root out of it. This woman is surrounded by people. This might be the end for her. And yet Jesus offers a way out. That we embody that same thing. And he says, look, I'm going to give you a way out. The go, even his declaration of go is a way out. This woman is caught in the act of adultery and brought into the midst of this crowd of lots of people. She is literally trapped in the middle of this battle, for want of a better expression, between the scribes and the Pharisees and a very disinterested Jesus. She's trapped in the middle of this thing with no way out. Death is on the cards of her in her mind because she's done wrong. She knows she's done wrong. She knows what the law says to happen. She knows that actually I'm probably going to end up being stoned here. I'm probably going to end up dying here. And yet Jesus, by the end of it, has given her a way out. He's given her a possibility to go and live a life. In the same way that when we come into situations, that he is giving us a way out. When we're with other people in those situations, let's give them a way out. Give them a hope. Actually, today is not the end. Today isn't the day where you return to dust. Today is not the end. There's hope. There's more than what <coughs> you feel trapped right now, but there's more. And then Jesus' words are, are beautifully powerful. That he, that, that without speaking, he says not yet. He freed her and gave her life. He gave her hope. But the really powerful thing about this is that is he... He, he enabled the accusations of those whose words were there to kill, to steal and to, to destroy. He brought those accusations to nothing. 
they're standing there with their stones and yet by the time they leave they've dropped their stones and they've left mm-hmm. i.e. the accusations that these guys brought have joined the dust of the ground where they came from in the first place they, they've taken the dust of the ground and tried to form something different to accuse and actually Jesus has led to such a point that those accusations have effectively fallen flat there's no space for them that has left them speechless for me what Jesus did is with the religious leaders he, he brought them back to their own humanity that the religious leaders were trying to lift themselves up to a different level to the rest of humanity. We see it in the way they were standing at the start, that they, they are standing above this woman, i.e. we are better than you. That's where we stand and you're in the dirt. But actually Jesus, what he's doing is he, he, he is helping them to remember actually you're made as part of the same thing that she's made from. You have the same ability to make mistakes, same ability to have faults that she has to make faults, and she has to make mistakes. He's not bringing a sin consciousness to him. He's not saying, look, you're terrible, Pharisees, you're rubbish. What he's actually doing is he is freeing them. He is reminding them, look, guys, you are human. You came from the same dust that she came from. You're formed in the same loving and caring way that she was formed. Let me remind you who you are. You're not perfect. That's not the, the way. I'm the way. And as much as you resist that right now, I'm going to remind you, actually, you're human. And if you come, I'll handle you with care as well. That they left. That he's not anti these religious guys. He is bringing them to realisation, actually, you guys are in the same start point as she is. You just don't realise it yet. That you're standing at a distance going, actually, we're better than her. He's saying, actually, you're both good. You just think you're better. But you're both good. I see you both and I love you both because so often we, we want to warm and we want to link to the woman in the dirt because that is the obvious place that people with hearts go to. We want to be with that woman because she's the one that is being persecuted and accused. Absolutely. And Jesus did. But Jesus didn't just focus on her. Yeah. Jesus' heart was for those who are in the dirt who stood. They might not be physically on the ground, but they're just as much on the ground as she is from their, the, where they're standing, from what they're doing with their words, what they're doing with their actions, what they're doing with those things. That They stand at that place and he's going, I'm here for you as well. And you're not going to receive me right now, but I'm here for you too. Because it's not about going, okay, we're going to work with the poor or the rich. Are we going to work with the included or the excluded? Are we going to work with the, the kind of church or the unchurch? It's actually God saying, I want you to just be such big in heart that actually like Jesus was, he was down in the dirt, but his heart stretched to those who weren't. Mm-hmm. That's the heart of Jesus. He was there to go, all of you come here. Because the bottom line is he was in the dirt. He was in the dust. He was in the place where humanity was formed. And maybe he was, in that same moment, he was restoring her. Maybe, maybe he was restoring them. Maybe he was writing their names in there. Maybe he was, goodness knows what he was doing, but he was doing something that connected himself, where he was, to them and their own humanity and his own love for them at the same time. <coughs> the, my challenge, I'm going to finish there. My... my my challenge to us from this story is that it's, it's, it's interesting, it's curious, but the bigger thing is this, that can we, can we go and find friends, family, 
people where we go into their situations and we don't look at it and go, I'm going to bring hope to you, but we actually recognise the fact that if I bring hope to you, that brings hope to me. That as I am, as Jesus is restoring this woman, he is not just doing it because it makes him look good. He is restoring her because he knows him by restoring her, it's doing something much bigger than just her. In the same way that when I go into situations with people, there's no benefit in me going in with the attitude of actually, I'm a bit better, a bit further along the line than you are, therefore I'll help you and I'll pull you up. Actually, it's going, actually I'm going to come into the dirt with you because actually in your restoration, my restoration happens too. In your success, that's a success for me also. And in the same way that I might have helped you, there's going to be help for me also in that situation. That can we take ourselves into those uncomfortable places of people we don't want to get in the dirt with? In people in our work, in our homes, in our streets, and actually put ourselves out of our comfort zone and go, okay, I'm going to be with you in this mess. Or actually say to somebody, I want you to come and be with me in my mess. I want you to be with me here because this woman started to realise as this story unfolds, wait a minute, this guy Jesus is on my side. I want him in my mess. But have we got the vulnerability to go, actually, I want you to come and be in my mess with me because I need some help in this situation. I need some support in this place. I need something to remind me what God looks like. And he looks like you, and he looks like you. And I need that in this situation right now. That both those things, that, that can we be uncomfortable enough to go actually I'm going to put myself out of my comfort zone and go well, I'm in this place with these group of people or with this person or with this situation or whatever it may be and it's uncomfortable and it's difficult and I'm being accused and I'm being said bad stuff about but actually just like Jesus I'm going to ignore all of that because my focus is on restoring you or can we on the other side of it go actually I'm really struggling right now I'm that woman I'm her and I'm looking for help somewhere and I see somebody actually wait a minute I thought he was going to be my accuser but he's not He's actually got rid of all of my accusers. And actually, can you just come and help me in this situation and see me brought back up again? Because I know it's not written and I know it's not there, but, but I would confidently believe you don't have that kind of encounter with Jesus and he, he, he frees you and then that doesn't have a knock-on effect to somebody else. Mm-hmm. There's no way this woman just went. Mm-hmm. She brought change to the environment she was in. Yeah. That she thought it was over and he brought her away out. Then the same way that when I receive that, it changes me and I go on and do bring it somewhere else. And that's the challenge, I suppose. And that's kind of what I want us to draw attention to in this next few weeks, is thinking, about, okay, what lives are there that I know about that I can go and put myself in? Even if it's uncomfortable a little bit. Or what is it that I need to actually say, I need some help over here in this thing. I'm that woman. I'm caught in this rock and hard place thing. I'm looking for the way out. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would help us in those two places. It might be both. It might be both at exactly the same time. And just help us to be brave enough to put ourselves out of our comfort zone and into the dirt, into the dust. And also help us be vulnerable enough and brave enough to say, actually, I need some help. I'm in the dirt. I'm in the dust. I need some help right now. The Holy Spirit, help us in both those situations to, to have the bravery to, 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 to kind of ask for help or to step out. Just help us in those things, Holy Spirit, and help us to realise that you have placed us on this earth in both those situations to look like Jesus.
to be the expression of him to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.